All right, yeah, we're back here uh, live at RMPA, and uh, we're we're uh, continuing our kind of discussion with um, uh, some of the attendees and their interviews. So we're going to start. Let you introduce yourself and and your research. Excellent. Thank you so much. Uh, my name is my name is Kimberly Monroe, and my research is into um, how the COVID pandemic affected university students' mental health. And I started my program in 2020, in the fall of 2020, and you know, uh, right in the height of the mm-hmm. pandemic at that time. And I just kept thinking about, uh, well, you know, everyone was impacted in some way on the planet um, in, in various ways, but my heart especially went out to the class of 2020 mm-hmm. because they missed out on so many rites of passage mm-hmm. as far as like, uh, prom, graduation, all these senior things. The students who play sports weren't able to uh, get that senior year in. Uh, Same with juniors, which is really important if they're trying to go play at university. And so I just kind of wanted to check in on their mental health, but I'd never done this kind of research before. My background is in English literature. So, um, you know, to be honest, I didn't really know what I was doing. Sure. Um, and so I, I was kind of winging it, and I decided to just use some established scales that have already been created. So if you went to the psychologist and they thought you might have depression or anxiety, mm-hmm. they would give you these scales. So the GAD-7 for anxiety, mm-hmm. the PHQ-8 for depression. Yeah. And then there's a newly created scale called the CAS, the Coronavirus Anxiety Scale, which was created in... Um, 2020, to find out dysfunctional levels of coronavirus anxiety. And then lastly, uh, research has shown that people who um, are more resilient, this is sort of a protective factor against mental health issues such as depression and anxiety. And so there's a scale for that as well. The C, well, there's several of them, but the CDRA, a C10, is what I gave to students. So those four scales, um, and I gave them in 2020 and again in 2021 and 2022, but it really surprised me, the results in 2020. So after data cleaning, I had an N of about 177, or not about, it was 177. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and... Um, I have the averages here because I'm not great at memorizing numbers. So um, in that first scale, the the average for the GAD-7 was an 8.88. And the mild to moderate is, uh, mild to moderate anxiety is 5 to 9. And so um, moderate starts at 9. And so 8.88 is the high end of mild anxiety. So... That kind of surprised me. And then again, with uh, depression, same, the average was a 9.04. The cutoff for moderate depression is 10. So again, right below the moderate cutoff, so high, mild. Um, And then what really shocked me, especially being in the fall of 2020, because we were still very much implemented in pandemic protocol. So students... Most of them did not have in-person classes. Mm -hmm. There was masking everywhere. Um, Students who either tested positive or even were just exposed to COVID were sent to isolation dorms for 11 days where they had to spend by themselves. And, um, And then media messaging too at the time was very, very intense as far as like, uh, 
death count tickers mm-hmm. and uh, reminding us how deadly and scary COVID is. And so for the CAS, it's scored from zero to 20. Anything over nine indicates dysfunctional COVID anxiety. Mm-hmm. And in 2020, out of 177 students, the mean was a 1.96. Hmm. Yeah. That's it. That's it. That's really low. That's really low. And I was a bit confused by this. Um, And that actually led to some follow-up research about the scale itself. Like, is this scale functioning as intended? Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah. What's the hypothesis here? Is just nobody's actually scared of COVID at the university? Or is the scale not functioning as intended? Um, Well, and then lastly, the CDRISC 10 is scored from zero to 40. And so 40 being extremely resilient. And the mean was a 35.65. So that's another hypothesis is that perhaps students who attended university in 2020 had self-selected as being resilient because maybe if they were extremely anxious, depressed, scared of COVID, they didn't attend university in 2020. Maybe they took a year off. It's probably explained by some of those uh, enrollment drops that we saw during that time. I mean, we're probably still seeing to an extent now is that, we are. Yeah. that difference between, again, that student who's like, you know what, I'm going to stick it through and I'm going to go. Or maybe they're not as worried because the university has some procedures in place or has a lockdown or is doing classes on Zoom. So if they're at home, there might be that kind of buffer, but then these are also students who are staying on campus in the dorms and stuff like that, so. Right, Uh, so it kind of surprised me. So then I gave these same scales to university faculty at the, so this would have been end of fall semester, beginning of spring semester. Mm -hmm. And the results were essentially the same, only their coronavirus anxiety was even a bit lower. Uh, It was about a 1.78 and so again, what's going on here? And like I said, I could talk about uh, follow-up research using Roche assessment to find out if the scale is actually um, able to parse out mild to moderate coronavirus anxiety, which after doing some analysis with collapsed data of, uh, so it was like 638 entries that I had after three years of data collection. And um, it is showing a floor effect where the CAS seems to be able to parse out, like, if you have extreme dysfunctional COVID anxiety, it will be able to pick that up, but it's not sensitive enough to really parse out mild to moderate. Um, And, you know, hopefully at this point, maybe we don't need to use the scale as much anymore. I'm kind of hoping that um, we won't be doing any more pandemic research. But, but yeah, this really surprised me because – you know, I, I'm a student, but I'm also an instructor, and I was hearing a lot from my students, very depressed, very anxious, um, and then they take this anonymous survey, and, it, and it's not reflecting that. So, um, and then each subsequent year, so I gave it again in 2021, scores were about the same, mild to moderate cutoff for anxiety, depression, high end of mild for both. And then the uh, coronavirus anxiety dropped to a 1.15 in 2021, and then dropped to a 0.96 in 2022. So that's the only statistically significant drop. All the others maintained um, high end of mild for anxiety and depression. Uh, And then high resiliency each year. So 35.65, 36.51, 35.52. Staying highly resilient and not to minimize um, 
any level of depression or anxiety, but I'm a lifelong student and I feel like uh, just personally, my baseline is probably the high end of mild to moderate <laughs> anxiety and depression, you know? Right. Um, so that doesn't seem extraordinarily higher out of, out of the ordinary to me. Um, so that was the most interesting part of my research. It's like, okay, well, it seems like maybe the students are doing okay. Or like I said, they've self-selected and students who were not doing okay didn't spend the money to attend university. They stayed home or did something else perhaps. Did, did your university, like one of the things that I think of with this is maybe like at a university where there wasn't as um, I guess clear of a guideline or if the guidelines were a little slow rolling that maybe there would have been maybe some more anxiety for the incoming students because they didn't know or, um, or at a university where maybe it was a little more polarized or politicized, like in a state where it was a little more difficult for the university to do something about it if, if maybe there would have been. But I don't know, that self-selection issue keeps kind of coming up. Yeah, and at this point, you know, it's a, it's a bit too late for me to yeah. uh, be able to survey students at other universities. Like I said, I'm, I'm happy that I was able to get some data during the pandemic. I wish I would have got more, but I, and I'm very hopeful that I don't get the opportunity to do this research again. Um, but, yeah, I... <laughs> I especially just felt bad for them because I also missed out on part of my senior mm -hmm. year. Not due to a pandemic, it was poor choices. Mm -hmm. I was expelled my senior year. Uh, and it was supposed to be for the whole year, but I was able to appeal and rejoin my class the second half, but I had missed that first half mm -hmm. of my senior year. And so, you know, missing homecoming and undoubtedly the opportunity to be crowned homecoming Aww, queen. Right. <laughs> I'm kidding about that. But, uh, you know, these rites of passage and I look back at the things that I missed and, um, you know, is prom the most important event in a human's life? Like, no. Probably not. Hopefully I, not. I didn't even want to go. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but is there anything else like prom in a human's life? No. Uh, and these students missed out on that. And then graduation as well. You know, it's 18 years of hard work mm -hmm. and then not getting that opportunity to really be recognized. I know different schools did like drive through things or right. tried to make it uh, special in some way. Yeah. But um like I said, even the class of 2020 who took this survey were reporting that they're extremely resilient, which is the messaging that we heard. Uh, right. Kids are resilient, yes. which um, I, I do believe they are, but I also feel like this can be like a fallback excuse to mistreat <laughs> people like, oh, they'll be okay, they're resilient, right. uh, they'll deal with it, it's okay. Um, and... So that was really the basis of wanting to do this. But like I said, the results were surprising and I'm comforting in a way too. Like, okay, these students seem to be doing True. well. And the last measurement that I took was at the beginning of, uh, well, fall of 2022. Mm -hmm. So last semester. And same, they're reporting that they're, they're doing all right. The smallest end that I had was 145, which isn't huge, but not right. too small. I mean, still... Is I guess sort of a last question, um, because like you mentioned, like, you know, like, like thinking about, well, if, you know, 
could have done this or like looking back in it in retrospect, especially because this was kind of a sudden event. Um, this was uh, for, I think a lot of researchers and then this opportunity, like not, not one that we want to have again, <laughs> right, right. but one that offered an opportunity to look at some of these, if you kind of like hit the ground running early, which, um, usually means that you're kind of like cobbling stuff together and learning as you go, uh, looking at this in retrospect, like based on what you've learned with this sort of these, you know, three, three points of longitudinal data collection, like what, what would you do differently? Like if, you woke up tomorrow and you had to do this all over again. Um, what would you do differently or what do you think would be like, like what is like the thing that you learned from this in terms of like the methodology uh, of it? That's a great question. Um, I would have collected so much more research. Uh, I'm doing mostly quantitative. Mm -hmm. I would have liked to do more interviews and do some qualitative because, you know, we have the results here, but the question of why. Mm -hmm. uh, and I'd like to be asking why. And then also, I wasn't really aware of um, how intense the uh, social isolation social isolation was for students who were in quarantine until um, later on. Because I'd have students saying, oh, I'm in quarantine for 10, 11 days mm -hmm. in um, 2021. And I didn't know what that entailed. They didn't really tell me that they were going to another dorm where it's not really furnished, they don't really have anything, the food is just set by their door. Um, and then I had a student in spring of 2021 tell me that he spent 56 days in social that's isolation. Like, that's like prison. Like right, the and the way that he presented it too yeah. sounded like he'd been in the hole. Oh He's gosh. like, I spent 56 days in there, I'm not going back. Uh, and he was a, an athlete, and so the athletes were being tested yeah. more often than anyone else. And so um, not only if they tested positive, even if they weren't feeling ill, you know, if they tested positive, but also if one of their teammates tested positive, then they would all go into isolation. And so I would have liked to do more interviews and then maybe these specific surveys, too, with students who had, you know, been alone in a room for 11 days um, and those kind of impacts like I, I, I really wish I would have been able to tell those students stories now it's kind of um, right. with people's memories and right. or I, I don't know if it would be as useful anymore yeah. and then uh, like you said other students at other universities and then also um, you know healthcare workers yeah. and yeah. you know just different um, professions that were impacted in different ways yeah. and so not only this quantitative of being able to like fill out the surveys and get those numbers but then adding the qualitative as well just being able to ask like why yes uh, how did things go for you how did you adapt are you yes um and so that's what I would have done is just collected a lot more yeah. data <laughs> but I'm, I'm glad I was able to get something yeah right um, and, and kind of document this period because well, I was like, hopefully we don't do it again. Mm -hmm. Hopefully this doesn't happen again. Mm -hmm. um, but it's important to look back and reflect and see uh, what was done, what worked, what didn't. If this does happen again, how are we going to respond now that we have some real world experience? Because, you know, prior to this, the last one was like 100 years ago. Mm -hmm. and, and it's a different world that we live in now. Right. So, um, All right. Well, thank you so much. Yes, thank you so much um, yeah, for this it was, opportunity. It was a, a joy really talking to you about your research. Thank you so much. I appreciate you.